This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. We are back Listen, on Let Your Voice. But you know, you could voice. just do Rihanna. Oh, Drake did a great Rihanna last week on yeah. SNL. He was like, so accurate. And then he was like, yeah, I mean, nobody knows what I'm saying anyway. So accurate. Actually, I know exactly what she's saying. I know exactly what she's saying. So she's you guys saying work, 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 No, work, she's work. saying dur, 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 dur. Shimmy, shimmy, dur, 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 duh. What does guys, that supposed so, to mean anyway? That's not important, Alyssa, okay? <laughs> What's important is I know what she's saying. You're going to be like, I'll explain it to you later off the air. That's right. So, guys, we are actually back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, you haven't missed much because we just started. Literally, we have just started having this conversation, and we are bringing the subject in by listening to Drake's controller. Why are we listening to Drake? controller because a lot of people are saying that this album views from the six or just views or hot pile of garbage if you're me or joe budding has been jake's probably drake's most unsatisfying album and when you ask people why they say it's been his most unsatisfying album they say because it's way too mainstream he doesn't seem like he's really speaking for the people who were different and who had alternative lifestyles and different views and he's not really worried about them anymore because his life has gotten to a point that is so high that he can't relate with the common folk anymore and they hear views and 20 songs of views and they say you know what this is not for me Where's Lemonade? Where's Panda the Designer? Where is some, I don't know, Bryson Tiller or um, Tory Lanez? That's what they're looking for now. And it's not necessarily because Drake is bad. It just means that they're not looking for what he has to offer anymore. Kind of like what's happening in a presidential election on the Democratic and the Republican sides. It's interesting. The Republican Party has had this issue for a couple of years where the mainstream people, the people who were supposed to be winning these elections, the old white man who cared about big business and limited government, and he had a nice Christian family. That Republican, that solid Republican, that George Bush, the George, George, the first George Bush, that Ronald Reagan, that John McCain, even they are not attractive to the party anymore because there's a subgroup who they don't believe these people stand up for them anymore. And they have been pushing and fighting to get rid of them. And while that has been happening on our Republican side, the Democrats were coasting, or at least we thought we were. Democrats had Barack Obama, and yeah, he talked about hope and change in 08 and 012, and then he came in and deported a whole bunch of people's parents and their children, but he said hope and change, and everyone supported him. So we thought all we had to do was replicate the black guy, but with the woman this time. And for a little bit, it seemed like the woman was going to be the winner, but all of a sudden, some old Jewish guy from Brooklyn with scraggly hair popped up, and he's talking about the system doesn't represent us. And all those Democrats who we thought were on our side, or the ones who seemed to come begrudgingly on our side because the, the opposite side was just too much, they said, you know what? I like this. And they're pushing back. And they don't want the Hillary Clintons. They don't want the status quo. And because of these two opposing sides fighting each other on the Democratic and the Republican side, what we are starting to see is a civil war. Or at least we think we are. And that is what we're talking about today, guys. Those civil wars. The Republican side and the Democratic side. And we have seen this before, and I'll get to that later. But these are wars, and any time you've had a war like this, there has been some kind of huge shift. In the Goldwater LBJ days, Goldwater got destroyed in the election. We thought it was the end of conservatism. The five, two years later, Republicans took 47 seats. Ten years after that, Reagan, Reagan. came. 
on the Democratic side, LBJ took, he had the biggest election day victory since FDR. We thought it was the permanency of liberalism. Then the Voting Rights Act passed and the Civil Rights Act passed and a whole bunch of Democrats who also didn't like black people and kind of like slavery left the Democratic Party and went to the Republican Party. And the Democratic Party has not won the South in a major election since. And you can make an argument for 08 because Obama won a lot of things, but he still lost the Mississippis and the Alabamas because blackly black black. So we know that these when these rifts have happened, we've seen huge changes. Now the question is, are we seeing the same thing? Is there a huge war again? And if so, what will the outcome be? And to start this conversation off, there is no better way to go than the Republican Party. So guys, right now, Donald Trump is a presumptive presidential nominee for the Republican Party. And before he won a nominee, his unfavorability ratings with the Republicans were was as high as 36%. He pissed off everyone, women, men, gay people, undocumented people, people of color. He has won a nomination now. Those unfavorability ratings have gone down by by 21 percent. He's and, still more unfavorable than Hillary Clinton. Yes, yes. No, I'm talking about just in the Republican Party. Oh, just we're talking in the about just Party. in the Republican Party. He's gone down. And because of that, Republicans are saying that this division you were seeing during the primary is over. Republicans are coalescing around Donald Trump, and this is the end of it. They're uniform. So I want to ask you guys do you think that the Republicans are uniting around Donald Trump? And is this the end of any like ruptures we're seeing in that party? Selena? Well, the Republican National um, Committee did, uh, did <clears throat> back Donald Trump, but you still have a lot of prominent uh, Republican leaders who are refusing to, like, Paul Ryan has yet to, like, really jump on board and endorse him officially. Then you have some um, senators, um, I, I forgot his name, but the one from South Carolina, mm-hmm. who also is like, you know, it's 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 a, I'm not going to do it. So there's some people who are saying that they're not going to do it, but a lot of people are doing it and are, are coming around him. And I think that, um, you know, Donald Trump, as unfavorable as his ratings have been has been extremely popular when it came to the primaries and when it came to uh, when it comes to voters so he already had a large fraction of the republican of republican voters primarily white angry men from the south working class men so i think that the leaders are just jumping on board because they have no other choice at this point right but like white the, the way i look at it is actually that those are two different questions and i'll come to that in a second i just want to address your thing about the white men white men make up such a small percentage right now of the electorate right like that they're almost becoming irrelevant i don't want to say completely irrelevant because that would be untrue but as the population of minority voters grows and grows and grows, the percentage of white male voters becomes smaller and smaller, and they bec- they have less and less sway in the electorate. But as to answer your initial question, I think those are two different questions. One is about, can Trump unite the party? The other one is about whether or not Republicans think the party is divided. So according to the New York Times um, latest polling, uh, two-thirds of Republican voters think that he can unite the party. However, eight in ten Republicans still call the party divided, and 43% of Republicans say that are actually discouraged about the future of the party. So do I think Trump can unite the party? Yes. Do I think that Republicans think that he can? Yes. But do I think that the Republicans also believe that the party is divided? Absolutely. All right, thank you for your answer, guys. Um, I would, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, Alyssa. I think there's still a lot of fissures in the Republican Party, but I do think that their louder, angrier, more racist voice is being heard, and that's why Donald Trump is currently the face of the party. And I feel like the, the RNC is embracing that when they back up someone like Donald Trump, so but I'm disappointed. The RNC may be embracing that, but here's a big problem is the big money donors. So there's a front-page headline news story in the New York Times actually this morning about how because that you can't have coordination between super PACs and a candidate, mm-hmm. um, they are 
are having major issues right now with which of these super PACs are going to start to get behind the Trump effort. There's a lot of super PACs oh, that boo-hoo. don't want to get behind him at all. Uh, yeah, I get that. But st- but remember, he's going to be competing probably more likely than not against Hillary Clinton, who has a super PAC that knows they're behind her. They have lots and lots of money. And realistically, million. yeah. And if realistically, you know, Trump, he's not going to be able to I don't think he's going to be able to win this election like he was able to win the primary, because now he's going to be going up against the Democratic machine and against Hillary's super PAC. And he's going to need he's going to need his super PACs to get in line and figure out how they're going to fund him. And if he can't even get the big money conservative donors right mm-hmm. now to fall in line with him, and it's just like your average populist person out there that's coming out to vote, mm-hmm. that's going to be a big problem with him following the convention. I just want to yeah. say really quickly, do we all remember how proud Donald Trump was to say that he was self-funding his campaign? He was never going to take money. He's not going to have yeah. a super PAC. Now look, that's all I wanted to say. Well, I'll, 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 bring, I'll come back to that in a second, actually, but um, it's funny that Alyssa was talking about Hillary being the presumptive nominee because we have a caller on the line who I think would disagree. So I want to let Devon let his voice be heard. Devon, go ahead. Hey, hello. Hey, Devon. Let your voice be heard. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Uh, now nah, I was just listening to you guys speak. Uh, that's awesome. It's dope. It's good that uh, you guys are speaking about these topics because I don't, I don't hear a lot of people speaking about these topics. That's kind of awesome. Um, but, but yeah, so you were speaking about Hillary Clinton potentially being a nominee. Um, I think that would be disastrous. We had a very, uh, peculiar time in, in politics and, um, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure if that, uh, she's going to end up becoming the nominee and if she is, it's going to be disastrous for the DNC. Well, so you're saying you don't think she's going to be the nominee. You think she's going to be disastrous. So the question I'm asking you for the listeners, Devon, is are you saying that, like, you'd rather vote for Trump or that, like, there's someone else in the party that you want to see elected? And if so, who and why? All right. Well, um, I'm a super Bernie Sanders fan, obviously. Um, I wasn't a Bernie or Bust, uh, one of those Bernie or Bust individuals, but I'm increasingly heading in that decision. And it's not just because of my issues with, Hillary Clinton, it's really <laughs> kind of seeing the establishment for what it is. And because of because of this whole primary election, this crazy primary election, it, it really revealed a lot of the deep, deep issues with our political um, our political machine right now. And it's kind of confirming everything that Bernie Sanders is saying. And I find him to be the only candidate that is willing to fix the, the political issues we have here. Um, at the end of the day, as as people, as citizens, if we don't have a political system that works for us or works for the people or works for what, what it was created for, then we don't have a voice and we don't really we don't really have too much control over the direction of where things are going. Now, I think that's a good point. And, you know, I voted for Bernie Sanders. I like Bernie Sanders. I'm a Bernie voter. But I'm inclined to believe, just based on nu- numerics alone, that, you know, he's probably not going to be the nominee. Right now, Clinton has won 1,771 pledged delegates, which is over 100% of her target. She's at 108% of her target, according to 538, uh, which is Nate Silver. Um, whereas Sanders has won 1,499 pledged delegates, which brings him to only 92% of his target, which means he's missed his target by 8%. Um, now, obviously, you also have the issue of superdelegates, which, you know, a lot of people have been against. And, and I agree that maybe the Democrats should do away with the superdelegate system. But if you look at the numbers there, had the, the Democratic race been the same as the Republican race and not use superdelegates at all, Hillary Clinton probably already would have won the nomination outright based on the, the setup and, um, you know, my analysis of how the votes would have gotten uh, split. Um, now, that said, I think you still make a good point that there's a lot of internal division 
divisions. But as I was talking to Stanley about earlier, and I know I'm going to come back to later, I think those divisions seem a lot more pronounced than they actually are. I want to give uh, Selena a chance to, to respond before we let Devon answer again. Right. No, thank you so much, Devon, for letting your voice be heard. Um, I think that your sentiment is reflective of what a lot of progressives feel right now, especially progressives of color in the Democratic Party. Some of them are saying, you know, I'm burning a bus all the way. Other people are leaving the Democratic Party. And I think it's because they don't trust the establishment, right? We don't think and we think that Hillary Clinton represents the establishment. And, you know, there's two perspectives to look at this, right? You can look at it as... Hillary Clinton is just pragmatic and she's going to take incremental steps to get the job done. Or you might look at it as Hillary Clinton is a part of the same corrupt political system that Bernie Sanders has vowed to take down. And that's why I'm supporting him. So if you don't trust the system and you don't trust Hillary, then I really do understand how people like, you know, like Devon or maybe other Bernie or bus people are saying, um, I, I don't want to vote. And, and it is causing a fraction in the Democratic Party. I'll say that. So I, want, I do want to get back to the Republican conversation. But before we let you go, Devon, I want to ask you a question. Election, general elections are tomorrow. Hillary's nominee and she's going against Trump. Do you vote for Trump? Hold on. Before, before, uh, before we get into speaking about that, I just wanted to address something that you did mention. Um, only because I feel like it's important for people to understand what was going on as far as a marketing standpoint. All right, so um, the superdelegates were already pledged to Hillary beforehand, and media outlets were using that ahead of time as a way to promote her as the front-running, uh, the front-running nominee off rip, like the front-running candidate from the beginning of everything. So it's hard to even say that without without uh, the issues that we have with our in our political process that she still still would have uh, been in the position that she is right now. Um, to admit that is to admit that marketing doesn't have a, a place in society. Like it doesn't work at all. It definitely, it definitely does work. Um, and when it comes to uh, and and they're they're able to switch and switch sides at any moment, like they did in 2008, which isn't really being, uh, I guess, promoted as much to the people to let people know exactly where this race actually is at this moment. It's a lot of distortion, and you and the use of certain particular numbers in order to distort facts of what's actually happening right now um but all right what you were saying um but i guess i can speak about what you're talking about right now just 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 um, a question because we got some other callers to get to if it was yeah, election sure. day tomorrow and it was only hillary and trump going going against each other who would you vote for if you had to vote for someone i wouldn't vote <laughs> at okay, this point well, I, I really wouldn't vote let me I ask mean, you, you a follow-up to that right. you're in new york what happens if you were in ohio I said, you're in New York. What happens if you were in Ohio? What does that mean? Would that change? So, oh, New York is not a swing state. More likely than not, in fact, almost guaranteed New York is going to go blue. It's going to yeah. go for Hillary. If you were in a swing state like Ohio that could actually decide the election, that your vote you know, had actually would count a lot more than it counts here in New York, would that change your decision about whether or not you would stay home? Mm, no. I- so... Devon, thank you. We we do have to let you go, but Selena had a comment. I under I'm telling you guys, like I really do understand that sentiment because a lot of people viewing this is I do not want to vote for a lesser of two evils. I'm sick of doing that, and they think that both Trump and Hillary Clinton can't be trusted, and they're part of the the political establishment. I mean, if you think about how much um, Hillary Clinton has flip flopped on issues like fracking, on issues like the crime bill, um, you know, she used terms like um, super super predator. Super predator. But, but you know, remember, I mean, that was in 1990. It, it was, and the thing is, but you know, but, but Demond made a good point about marketing and how she's like. You, you, 
pandering and, and just saying what needs to be said, even with LGBT issues. I mean, I get it. She's evolved. But a lot of people say that if you check her record and you check on what she stood for for years and now how she's like just flipping because now this is what um, her party is um, backing. But- that's all that is. I mean, is. like, even President Obama was against gay marriage when he first came point, into yes. office. So, like, here's the thing. I mean, there's a difference between pandering and legitimately changing your mind about an issue. And we have to be able to recognize the difference. Just because somebody changes their mind, we can't always say they're pandering. In some situations, and just because somebody's being honest and genuine also can mean they are pandering. We had this conversation when we were talking about hot sauce and Hillary. Yeah. And, you know, authentically, Hillary really does like hot sauce. But when she mentions it to a group of black voters, that's still She's still pandering while doing, while doing the nay nay, right? You know, <laughs> um, but uh, I'm going to throw it back to Stanley now, and I'm hoping that uh, in a few minutes I'll be able to address this <laughs> issue of the divisions within the uh, the Democratic Party. Yeah, so we do have to get back to the Republican side real quick. I want to thank Devon for calling in. Um, he um, so he still wanted to answer his question. We didn't have a chance to get to him, and we had another call on our line. So Devon, if you're listening, please put it on Facebook, and I'll read it on air for you. In relation to the Republican Party, guys, so election day comes. Do you think there'll be a large amount of Republicans who just don't vote? And if so, is that like, are we going to see a third party or like third party come out of this, at least on the Republican side for conservatives, for conservative or maybe um, Tea Party values? Lena? I mean, the records show that Republican com- Republicans come out in droves, whether it's a midterm direction election or if it's a general election. So I do not. I think that. Donald Trump has successfully revved up this base so much that they are ready to go to the polls because they think that brown people, whether they're Muslims or undocumented immigrants, are going to take over the party and hijack our country. So they are ready to defend what they think is rightfully theirs. So I expect Republicans to come full out. To the polls. Well, you know, I'll just counter that just slightly. I'll push back a little bit, which is, as I've mentioned, the Republican Party is a weird conglomerate of rich business moneyed interests and then people who are poor and white and generally who vote on issues of like God, guns, gays, social conservative issues. And the Klan. And, uh, yeah, and the Klan, right? The racist part of the of the base. So I think what you're going to see in this situation is that those moneyed interests, a lot of them, they're probably going to vote for Hillary. They're mm. probably not going to vote for Trump, those more moderates. And of course, you're going to have the KKK racist wing of the party come out because they're already out. I mean, half this election is about the, the xenophobic nationalist peop, you know, group within the Trump movement so no that's a really good point Alyssa. so guys um so far we're getting a lot of calls we're happy about that um keep calling in we're gonna go on a quick break when we come back we'll be talking specifically about the democratic party and its ruptures this is let your voice be heard on 90.3 fm whcr the voice of harlem We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, I'm here with Selena Hill and Alyssa Fuchs. Shout out to Devon for calling in and telling us why he is voting Bernie, why he does not believe in Hillary Clinton, he does not trust her, and why if the general election were today and he were in New York, he would not vote if Hillary and Trump were the only options. We are shifting gears talking about the Democratic Party. If you guys have not known or not paying attention, what was happening in Nevada was that the Bernie Sanders team was trying to get a couple of additional delegates gets in Nevada because even though Hillary Clinton did win Nevada by about six points there's a procedure in there where you can still get a couple of loose delegates. The Sanders team was trying to get those delegates. I'm not clear on like 
exactly what happened, but I'll give you a summary from what I understand. The um the county leaders had voted on not giving him, the, him those delegates, and the Sanders team was trying to get the Sanders supporters, pardon me, were trying to get another vote on the floor. They would not allow the vote, and Sanders supporters got very upset, started cursing, started screaming. Um, apparently chairs were thrown. They had to. Selena, go ahead. That's media hype. That is media hype. There are so many counter reports. NPR actually backtracked and said that there was no violence. Like when it first came out, they were mm-hmm. saying a lot of it was violence. People were throwing chairs. But if you watch those videos, someone picks a chair up and puts it down. Like I have not seen. Show me a video where someone threw a chair because it sounded like a lot of hype to me. But continue. Okay, no problem. So Selena says it was media hype. I'm, I'm going to trust Selena's word on that one. What I was reading the accounts on um, New York Times and CNN was saying that chairs were thrown, and then the um, the county leader got death some threatening yeah. messages. That actually that's did happen. True. Yeah, someone says, you Somebody know. Somebody doxed her by leaking her information on the internet, and that's just not acceptable. Yeah, but like what, what we saw there, whether there was violence or not, I think I'm going to trust Lena's word on this, that there wasn't violence, but there's a lot of anger in a Democratic Party right now. And we saw with Devon when he mentioned that, hey, he said, hey, listen, you know what? I'm probably not voting for Hillary because I don't trust her. I don't think she's for us. There are a lot of people like that. There's a lot of anger and frustration in the Democratic Party. Are we seeing the rift in the Democratic Party that we thought we were going to see in the Republican Party? I'm going to go with Alyssa first. And I say no, actually. So I think that there's a divide here, right? There's subjectively what people think that they're feeling. There's a lot of people on the left and especially on the far left and Bernie supporters who feel left out. They feel like there's this you drift. But objectively, so that's subjectively, that's how you feel. But objectively speaking, and you know, the the numbers don't seem to bear that out. Now, you can have a problem with the numbers and you can say, oh, well, I don't believe in those pollings. I don't know who was asked. And, and, you know, you're entitled to that. Obviously, all polls are somehow, uh, you know, can be skewed in certain ways. However, right now, according to the same New York Times poll that I spoke about before, um, fewer than half of Democratic voters, registered Democrats, not people that are independents, that became Democrats just to vote for Bernie. People who are actually Democrats, people like myself, who are always registered Democrats, regardless of whether we voted for Bernie or not. Uh, fewer than half of Democratic voters say their party is divided. Eight in 10 Democrats are hopeful for the future. More than eight in 10 Democrats think that Ms. Clinton can and will unite the party after the primaries. And actually, this is going to be a shocking figure to some of you, especially a lot of people that are Bernie or bust that think that, you know, um, that there's a huge civil war going on with the Democratic primary. Well, actually, um, right now, there was actually a bigger war going on between Obama and Hillary at the same exact time. So 72 percent of Mr. Sanders supporters say that they would vote for Ms. Clinton in the fall. Um, when you look at that compared to a survey that was taken in early May of 2008, it found that only 60 percent of Ms. Clinton's supporters said that they would back Barack Obama in the general election. So actually, more Bernie Sanders supporters um, by 12 percent say that they will actually vote for Hillary Clinton than the number of Clinton supporters who said that they would vote for Obama at the same exact time in 2008. So I'm going to push back on that just a little bit because we know the way they do they do these polls is by calling people on their landlines. No, this was done by cell phone also. And I'll tell you still that pe- young people are not sitting down taking polls. I want to see the age split for that because I guarantee you if it's 45 and under, they're not saying this. You're probably getting a lot of the older voters who are going to support Hillary Clinton anyway. I want to push back on that. We also have a caller on the line who I want to get to, but before we do, I want to give um, Selena a chance to read um, Devon's tweet because he didn't get a chance to answer, finish answering his question. Selena? Okay, so nice underscore Brooklyn tweets us and writes, I wasn't able to answer the question posed to me and was rushed off. Sorry about that, Devon. But um, he says, hold on, I oh. <laughs> can't find... I think that's what he tweeted. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's go. All right, so we do have another caller on the line. We have Eli on the line. Let your voice be heard. Eli? Yeah, 
Hello? Yeah, what's up? All right, hey, there we go. Yeah, let your voice be heard, Eli. Um, hey, no, um, well, like, about the Republican Party and their, like, apparent rift, I just think that's, like, complete media hype. And it's just like everything else, you know, every other rivalry, like sports rivalry, you know, um, East Coast, West Coast rivalry, it just brings attention. So we're talking about guys that we really never need to talk about, like Paul Ryan. They're pulling Boner out of nowhere to talk crap about Ted Cruz. So it's, like, pretty obvious to me that it's just, like, you know, just, like, media-driven. And since we just, like, feed off of it, it just allows Donald to get even more and more free attention. He doesn't have to send mailers out. He doesn't have to bombard you with, like, phone calls to, like, come volunteer. It's just, like, all free. And so, like, that, that is one thing. But the Democratic rift is actual and real. Like, oh. We basically have, like, gone away and strayed away from true democratic principles because liberals that came in the party have gotten so much money, mostly from the entertainment world, and those are the people who socially are very liberal, but economically are pretty much to the right. Great, um, great, um, I'm sorry, what was his name again? That was a great comment. Eli. Eli, thank you so much for calling in. Guys, if you want to let your voice be heard again, the number is 212-650-6903. I agree with Eli's sentiment. I think that many people believe the election um, has effectively been brought and paid for by the Democratic establishment, and they see Hillary Clinton as the face of the Democratic establishment. I also think that, um... When it, oh, shoot, I just had a comment, but it, it just slipped me. It just slipped me. I'm sorry. It did. Right. It did. So, you know, I just wanted to counter your narrative about the age gap. Um, mm-hmm. in, in, a, in the brand new Quinnipiac poll, which was conducted on May 10th, 2016, and mm-hmm. published uh, yesterday, and Quinnipiac is actually one of the better of the polling firms. And as I said, this was done both on landline and on cell phone, mm-hmm. and they, they surveyed a wide swath of voters. Um, they found that the divide is bigger between men and women than it is between young and old. And they found that but voters between 18 and 34 and the gap between them and voters over 65 is actually closer together than the gap between men and women is when it comes to the general election voting. So I wanted to just push back a little bit about your, you know, but they didn't specifically ask the question like in a three-way race. So, you know, I'll I'll give you that. But I will say the other thing about the staying home, which is, you know, in in this poll, in the Quinnipiac poll, uh, they surveyed about just over a thousand voters in Florida, just over a thousand voters in Ohio, and just over a thousand voters in Pennsylvania. And when they were asking about about Clinton versus Trump in the contest, what they found is um, in Florida, uh, only two people out of the thousand said that they would vote for someone else and only seven people said they wouldn't vote. So basically only nine people said they would either stay home or write Bernie in. In Ohio, it was only 11 people. In Pennsylvania, it was only nine people. So I I really think this idea that she's not going to be able to unite the party, um, you know, there are going to be people that stay home and there's definitely going to be independents that registered as Democrats that are going to re-register as independents and they're not going to vote as Democrats. But I really do think it's totally overblown, this idea that so many Bernie people are going to stay home. I'm going to do a survey right now. Eli, if it's Hillary and Trump in the general election tomorrow, who are you voting for? I probably wouldn't vote. And if I lived in a swing state, I wouldn't vote because neither has done anything to really secure my vote. 
All right, so Eli, thank you for that answer. I want to say, obviously, Devonna said that, so was Eli. This is not like that's not a plurality. That we don't like. You're not doing it's, a statistical sample. I, I was just, I was just, see, I was just Three saying. Three of us in this Alyssa, room for I was, I was just Clinton. saying that. I was just saying that. But the point that I'm trying to make is, even though you see these numbers, there was a swath of people who have serious problems with the Democratic Party. So whether Hillary will be, be able to unite the party or not, there was a problem here that we had to address. Selena. No, I, I think that's absolutely right. And I even have friends who are saying I'm not going to vote at all because they think that the system is rigged against Bernie Sanders. Now, I think that Hillary Clinton is winning fair and square, yeah. but I think that there are problems with our system that this election, this primary specifically, is pointing out. And maybe we should focus on that. And I think that, you know, r- regardless of the fact, I know that the, this the Democratic establishment is also calling for Bernie Sanders to step out like they are doing. I mean, even with the Nevada convention, they had like Hillary surrogates talking about all this violence and and being scared for their lives. And I mean, and they're, they're calling for him to step up and condemn. And Bernie Sanders did respond and condemned the, the, the verbal violence. But it's like they're just doing so much to get him to step down. And it doesn't look like a fair fight. It's like Bernie against the establishment. I got to I got to say this real quick. That, I don't think that's a fair analysis in regards to like it's being unfair to him to step down. Hillary was closer then to to Obama at this time, 2008, then Bernie is to Hillary, and they were telling her to step down aggressively. Everyone, and and, and like she like she's beaten Bernie by the numbers completely. I would agree with that. I mean, even Nate Silver, there was this question. There's a really interesting article. You can go read it on 538. But even Nate Silver says that him like getting out on one hand, a lot of people are like, oh, he's hurting her. He's hurting her. Mm-hmm. He's saying like that's that's not actually true so far as he can tell Uh, and i'd like to take his word on things i mean he's not always right he definitely got trump wrong with respect to the the republican primary but nate silver has been pretty accurate at at predicting elections over the course of the past you know two cycles uh you know more accurate than anybody else he says that he's he doesn't see it as hurting her so much in some ways he thinks that staying in is actually helping her oh not hurting her hmm and I think that that goes extent. both ways because yeah. it's it's hurting her because basically it's just putting a spotlight on how on the fact that she's not trustworthy and a lot of people within the party don't think she's trustworthy. Whereas Bernie Sanders comes across as very authentic, very sincere, and he has a strong career and background that supports everything everything within his platform where Hillary Clinton doesn't. I mean, FYI, we can even look at minimum wage, right? So I think that um, it's helping her in some sense because when Bernie Sanders was pushing for a $15 minimum wage, Hillary Clinton was not. And now she finally was like, all right, $12. So it's making her more progressive, but it's also showing her as not the authentic candidate. This is what I'll say about the minimum wage very quickly. I agree with Hillary. We don't need $15 minimum wage across the U.S. It just doesn't make sense in places like Alabama and St. Louis where like the cost of living is not that high. So that's why I understand where she was coming from with that. But this is not what we're talking about at this point. So I want to get to the history of this. And before I do, I just want to very quickly ask you guys, do you think it's time for a third party and like a more liberal third party? Is this something is maybe if Bernie like doesn't win the primary and I think he should stay all the way until the end. I just don't think he should try to like fight for a broker convention. But if that's he does, interesting that you think he should stay. I wonder yeah, why. Because like he has a right to like he has the money. Let him run. But I don't like I don't like, you know, just like demagoguing Hillary. I don't like the idea of a broker convention. But if you want to run to the end, run to the end. You don't think it's hurting Hillary Clinton, which could hurt our chances of winning the White this House? This isn't about like hurting anybody's feelings. This is an election. And you this is what you sign up for. 
However, I just want to ask a question. Do you think this is the time for a third party? No, because we can't have a third party. Have you read the 12th Amendment lately? If you <laughs> haven't, then you should, because the 12th Amendment essentially se- basically prevents us from having a third party. And what's going to happen is because we still have a 12th Amendment, and unless we amend the Constitution, which, you know, remember, in order to amend the Constitution, we're going to have to work within the system, not outside of it. Hate to break that to you, to some of the Bernie people. Like I said, remember, I voted for Bernie, but I hate to break that to some of the Bernie people. You're going to have to work within the system, not outside of it if you really want to change it. The 12th Amendment basically prevents a rise of a third or fourth party system because in a legitimate three or four way race, no person would get enough electoral college votes to ever get elected and the House of Representatives would always pick the president. So I don't think we'll do I think we should have a third party? Yeah. Do I think we should have one right now? No. I think we have to ch- amend the Constitution before we can ever do that. So guys, we, we do have to wrap up and uh, wow. I'm just going to ask for some closing statements from you guys. So um, if you have one, if you don't just pass back on to Stanley. Alyssa, I know you have some yeah, no, I just I just wanted to mention something. I mean, I know we didn't get to talk as much about the history as I think we would have liked to. But, you know, this is something that James Madison really warned about in the Federalist Papers 10. He talked about political factions, about how sometimes the smallest groups within political parties that don't like the establishment can speak the loudest. But he really warned against this because he said that it's these extreme factions that are what make a government unstable. And it's exactly what the government or the founding farmers were actually trying to prevent against when they passed the Constitution, which is why they included provisions in it like the 12th Amendment. Um, But I want to end on this. There's a really great article this weekend in The New Yorker, and it's about um, Trump and about being a demagogue and about the rise of Hitler. And, um, you know, he talks about that um, during the uh, early 1930s, before Hitler came to power, um, he said that conservatives pretended that Hitler was not so bad compared to the communists. At the same time, the militant left decided that their real enemies were the moderate leftists, who they believed were really indistinguishable from the Nazis. The radical progressives decided that there was no difference between the democratic left and the totalitarian right, and that is what helped them to explode the institutions and allow Hitler to come to power. I don't want to be fear-mongering right now, but I think we see exactly this happening. We have the militant progressive left that is the radical portion of the left, and I don't mean every Bernie Sanders supporter. I mean a, a portion of them that are demagoguing the moderate left, and they are deciding that there is no difference between the democratic left and the totalitarian and right. And I think we need to be really, really careful about that and really, really think about whether or not we should be staying home or writing in come November, regardless of the fact that we may not really like or trust Hillary Clinton, because this is the exact same thing we saw in Germany. And we all know how that ended. Selena? Closing thoughts moving forward. I think that with all of the energy around the Bernie Sanders campaign, from the Bernie bros to the Bernie or bust movement, it is, and for people like me who just voted for Bernie but plan to vote for Hillary in the, in the general election, I think it's time for us to rally around um, larger causes. I think Bernie Sanders' campaign and his purpose is... I think his purpose is bigger than this 2016 election. And I think that if we can all come together and and do what the right has done when they um, started up the Tea Party and actually changed our political reality by actually electing candidates who get things done and actually progress their agenda. Why don't we do that? Look, we don't even if you don't vote, why don't we start getting more involved in this system so that the Bernie Sanders spirit doesn't have to die after he leaves the general election. I think that we can all come together and take a page out of the Tea Party book and get real change. 
Thank you very much, Vaselina. And I, I think I'm going to pick up right where you left off, um, just add a little piece of history into it. So in Shay's Rebellion, Shay um, got a, a coalition of different groups together to fight off the Native American um, tribesmen who were coming into their towns and killing people. Shay asked for the um, Richard, the government and the richer people in the town to help them, and they refused to. So they built this coalition, which is a really bad coalition if you think about it, to go kill the Indians so that they can have natives. the natives, pardon me, so they can have like this space for themselves. And then they wanted a redistribution of property and they wanted to have all their taxes forgiven. And it made people like Madison and Hamilton and Jefferson very afraid. But Jefferson said something very interesting. He said, you need a little bit, a little bit of patriotic blood shed once in a while to keep the governmental and the democratic spirits fresh. And when that was all said and done, some groups did get some extra privileges not everyone. I want to see what happens with this. At the end of this conversation, will it be a bloodbath, a political bloodbath, so to speak, where we get nothing? Will some groups get something? Or will we just end up right where we were before? Because when LBJ beat Goldwater and he won by such a huge lead, it was supposed to be the liberal revolution. And then we got nothing but Republicans, conservative ones, in House and Senate. And then we got Reagan just a few years later. And we're still cleaning up that mess today. However, there's an angry group on both sides. They deserve to be listened to. So we got to hear them out. All right, guys, we're going on a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be doing an interesting interview with the Eric Bajorn. Uh-huh. Choose one. Choose one.